Good morning. Good morning. I hope everyone's having a great week, great weekend. Welcome to those of you that are online. I'm Jason. I'm the lead pastor here, and uh, it's so good to just be able to get together with everybody uh, in God's house. And for those of you joining us online, it's just uh, we we still get this opportunity to get together and worship in uh, in whichever way we have. And I'm so thankful that we have a couple of options uh, in terms of that. Um, you know, the last couple of uh, weeks, and actually the last couple of months, now that I think about it, um, we have been talking about the idea of being more like Jesus. And quite frankly, as I mentioned before, every time we get together, every time we come together in God's house, this really is the goal, is for us to be more like Jesus. And while this series is going to technically end today, or the last a few weeks we've been talking through this idea, but, but at the same time, this series really never is over because we should always, every day, everything that we do um, should be pushing us to be more like Jesus. If we're going to be followers of him and, and we really believe that, then we should be striving to be more like Jesus. And the, the thesis idea for this entire thing uh, goes back to John the Baptist when he said, he must increase and I must decrease. And that's what we've been talking about over the course of this. And that, again, is something that should always happen. This should be kind of a life goal. We should always be striving for Jesus to increase in our lives and for us to decrease. And we're going to talk more about that today as we sort of wrap this up. But this entire idea has brought up various topics over the, the last, I want to say it's eight to ten weeks. Um, we've looked at things like taking up your cross and what that really means, investing in others, um, we've talked about forgiveness. We've talked about prayer. We've talked about serving. We've talked about the importance of knowing why you believe what you believe. And that is uh, still incredibly huge in, in the day and age in which we live as well. Um, we've also talked about evangelism. We've talked about spiritual warfare. Last week we talked through spiritual warfare. And you know, we need to be prepared for what God has for us as we move forward as a church, but individually as well. We need to be prepared for what God has for us because as we all know, things change very quickly, especially in the day and age in which we live. And the hope of Jesus is the only hope for this world. The hope of Jesus is the only hope for this world and God wants to use you and he wants to use me. His church, his collective church is what he wants to, that's his chosen vehicle to reach this world is the church. You, me, you watching at home, all of us who are followers of Jesus, that, that is our job is to bring the hope of Jesus to this world. And for us to do that, he must increase and we must decrease. How many of you have ever trained a puppy? Have you ever trained a puppy? Had a dog that you've had to train? Um, it's, it's funny because I've had a couple of dogs um, in, in my life. We don't have one now, we have kids. Um, and, uh, and, and it's funny because it really comes down to, if you think about it, one word, obedience. When you train a dog, a lot of times they, they have the, the thing you send your dog to, it's called, I think it's called obedience school. Um, again, we should have that for kids. Um, and, uh, and, and it's funny because when you're trying to train a puppy, you're trying to get them to obey certain commands and obey certain things. Um, things like don't bite you know, sit, don't pee here, pee out there, um, speak, all, you know, all those things. It's funny because the more I'm thinking about it, the more it really is like raising kids. 
And so that's a whole nother thing. But, but the thing is, the more that a puppy learns to, to trust and obey the master, the more that they enjoy, you enjoy having them around, right? The more that they learn to trust and obey the master, the more that you enjoy being with them and the closer you feel to them and the closer that they feel to you. And the key to a dog realizing their potential is learning to trust the master and to take the next step of obedience. Because as they get the one thing down, then you can take them to the next thing, and then you can take them to the next thing, right? So the more they learn to trust, the more the obedience happens through that, the more that they can take the next step of faith and obedience. And isn't it interesting? Because the key to us realizing our potential with God and our relationship with him is taking the next step of faith and obedience by trusting him more. There are a lot of similarities there, funny enough. And so, so what do we do? What do those next steps look like? I mean, we've talked about a lot of them over the course of the series, More Like Jesus. But if we were to narrow it down, I would actually bring you to one particular passage in the book of Mark, chapter 12. And this is in a couple other places as well. But Jesus actually lays out and gives us, gives us a few things here. In this short verse, in Mark chapter 12, he says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is part of what's called the great command. And so I want to look at this verse, and I want to look at each part, because there are a few parts I want to highlight here as he's talking about it. He says, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And if we were to take these four things and really analyze what they mean, we can learn some things that, that can help us when it comes to obedience. And so how do I love Christ, as it's talking about, love the Lord your God with all your heart? What, what does that really look like for us? How do we make that into, into an idea that makes sense for us? Well, I would put it this way. Priorities. With all your heart would be your priorities. What, what do you prioritize in your life? What do your priorities look like? Because if we're loving God with all of our heart, our priorities are going to be reflected in that. What are the things that we prioritize the absolute most? Are those things that show we are a follower of Jesus? Are those things that we are loving God with? What about our soul? Jesus said here that, that we should love the Lord your God with all, with all your soul. What does that look like? Well, I would, I would put that down into maybe a word like this, behaviors. We, we love God by our behaviors. Our behaviors and the, and the things that, in which we do. Maybe the way that we react or the way that we don't react. How do we love Christ with all of our mind? Well, I actually talked about this one a little bit last week, but that would be our thoughts. Our thoughts, the way that we control our thoughts, the things that we think about, the things that we allow our mind to drift to. Paul talked, we, we talked about it last week. Paul said that, that we should take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. That's really difficult to do, but that's something to strive for. That's a goal to strive for that we should always be striving for for the rest of our life, because nobody is going gonna, is gonna to get that down completely. There's one person that did, and it was Jesus. But it's something to strive for when it comes to obedience, is to love God with all of our mind. Where are my thoughts at every moment? That's tough, but it's something to shoot for. 
So how do I love Christ within all my strength? Because he talks about love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. With all my strength and by my actions. By the things that I do, the things that I participate in. You know, it's intentional that with the topic that we're talking about today, that Mission Akron begins today. Because this is, a, this is something that really, the, the heart of it from the very beginning, um, when we started Mission Akron in 2009, was, was really to be more like Jesus. And that you're never more like Jesus than when you're serving. And you're loving people through all of these things. Because all of these things happen during a week of Mission Akron. They do. They happen during a week of Mission Akron. Because you almost have no choice but to focus on these things. When you have a week of serving and you have a week of, of doing mission work all the time. And all of these things come down to obedience. When it really comes down to it. All of these things come down to obedience. And, and the second part of the verse that, that I don't have on the screen, second part of the great command, talks about loving your neighbor as yourself. And that's impossible to do, by the way, without the first part. It's just as important, but it's impossible to do, to love your neighbor as yourself if you're not loving the Lord your God with all your heart, heart soul, mind, and strength. You can't love your neighbor as yourself if you're not doing those things. But we don't obey God because we have to. Because you might be like, okay, hold on. It sounds like you're talking about a works-based faith here, Jay. Are you saying that like we've got to, we've got to do all of these things to earn God's favor? No, 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 no. Don't misunderstand. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what Jesus was saying either. He's not saying that. Because we don't obey because we have to. We obey because we trust him. We obey because we love him. We obey because we should, not because we have to. We have free will. And we're not doing it to earn favor with God. But these are next steps that we need to take individually so that he can increase and I can decrease. And there's no way to be effective in what God has for you without being obedient. There's no way. There's no way to be effective in what God has for you without being obedient. And there's no way to be more like Jesus. There's no way to be more like Jesus without being obedient to him. You can't be more like Jesus without being obedient to what he is asking you to do and what he is calling you to do. And that's not my opinion. That's common sense. That just makes sense. But you know, there's an aspect of repentance that's involved here as well. There's an aspect of needing to turn away, if you really think about it. That's what repent means, is to turn away from your sin. Because to do all of these things, you are focusing now on being Christ-centered instead of sin-centered. And that's really our biggest problem, isn't it? Because we're all sinners. And it's really that mindset of going from being sin-centered to Christ-centered. And we need, to, we need to turn that corner. And that's a daily processed. Because all four of these things insinuate the idea of repentance that's there. But I want to look at a short verse today. If you do have your Bibles and you have uh, your Bible app, you can follow along with the notes in the Bible app if you, uh, if you choose to, to do that, or if you have your physical Bible as well. Um, and this is an important verse. This is a short verse, but it's an important and powerful verse. And it's a verse that I think we, we have blown by a few times. You'll probably recognize it, but I highly doubt you've looked at it the way we're going to look at it today, because it's an important thing. It is a, where Jesus gives a charge to his followers, and it's a big deal. And it's in the book of John, and this happens right after the crucifixion and the resurrection. 
So I need you to picture this for a minute. The crucifixion happens. The resurrection happens. A few of the disciples see it. The rest of them hear about it, but they haven't really seen. They're running for their life. They're hiding in a room. They don't know what's going to happen next. They don't know if they should even leave the room or not. They're freaking out. What, what's ha- this, this great leader that we were with, what, what, what do we do? What, what's what's going to happen? What, what do we do here? And a couple of guys are going, look, I've seen him before. And the guy's like, yeah, sure you have. And, and a lot of times the, the, the reason this verse gets passed over is because the story of doubting Thomas comes like two verses later. And so a lot of times we don't look at this one because we're looking at the doubting Thomas story where, where he's saying, I, I won't believe it until I put my fingers in, you know, in, in his hands. Because not all of the, he, he wasn't there. Thomas wasn't there when this, when this next verse happened. But you've got to imagine what these guys are going through. So put yourself in this scenario. You're, you're, you're freaking out. Where's, what are we going to do? And then Jesus shows up. Jesus walks in the room somehow. He just appears. And here's what happens. In John 20, 21, Jesus comes in. And again, Jesus said, peace be with you. All right? So he's like, calm down. Relax. I'm here. Peace be with you. And then he gets serious. He calms everybody down and then essentially says, now you need to focus. As the Father has sent me, and I got to believe he looked them all dead in the eyes, he said, I am sending you. What must have gone through their mind when he said that? As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Because they just lived with him and walked with him for three years. They saw everything that he did. They, they knew why he was there. They saw what he was doing. Because Jesus was sent to teach and to live among us and to suffer for truth and for righteousness and to rescue us from our sin by taking it upon himself and paying the price for us. And then he flips the script and looks at these guys and he says, all right, my part is done. My part's accomplished. Your turn. Now it's your turn. I'm sending you. You could probably hear a pin drop in there like you can right now. That probably scared him for just a second. See, this is what Jesus was praying for in John chapter 17. This moment, if you look that up later, John 17, 18, Jesus says, as you have sent me, as he's praying, it's an entire chapter of Jesus praying for you, by the way, for the church. And he says, Father, as you have sent me into the world, I am sending them. This is the moment he was praying for. He's praying for the church, for you and me as well, not just the disciples, but for everybody. This is the moment. And he walks in and and he says, basically, your turn. Here we go. We need to be prepared because he's asking us, you and me, to continue his mission because his mission hasn't stopped. His mission hasn't stopped. We need to be prepared and we need to be obedient to him. And I, I know, I get it. We worry about what's going to happen. We, what's going to happen next? I don't, I don't know. What's this week going to look like for Mission Akron? I, I don't know. Something different and crazy always comes up every single time. But God ends up doing something amazing out of it. And you know why? Because obedience is our job. The results are his. The results are God's. 
That's God's problem to worry about. Obedience, obedience is what we are called to do. There's 168 hours in a week. There are 168 hours in every week. And on average, we get together like this, now that we're allowed, for one of them. For one of those hours. If you're in a life group, which I hope all of you are, maybe you can add a couple more hours. So there's three, right? So there's three. But on average, the average church attender in America, whether watching online or attending here, someone who considers themselves a regular attender of church attends twice a month. Twice a month. That is considered a regular church attender. So that one hour that we get together, maybe every other week. But let's just take an average here for right now. Let's say that on average you come to church once a week. That's one hour. What about the other 167 hours? Because the church was not put together and called and ordained as God's chosen vehicle to only do business one hour a week. Yes, we get together. Yes, this is important. Yes, this is huge. All of that. Don't get me wrong. Let's not put aside what Hebrews says where it says let's not, you know, let, let's continue to get together. Let's not neglect our meeting together is what it says. Don't, I'm, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying that this isn't important. This is huge. Corporate worship for us to get together and uplift and edify and, and teach and learn and all those things. This is very important. But you know what? There are 167 hours left when we're done here in about 15 minutes, what are we doing with them? What are you doing with those hours? We have 167 hours when we're done today to get the ball down the field before next Sunday to do the work that we are called to do to accomplish the mission. The Great Commission was really clear Jesus was very clear in the Great Commission in Matthew here. It says, then Jesus came to them and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus was really clear here and he rolled out his commission and and all of this to them in pieces if you notice because the first thing he said this this was after the room where he said i'm sending you this is a little bit later now now he he takes it up a notch and he gives them full-blown instructions on this that's why this is known as the great commission see the church exists to win people to christ and notice he didn't say in any of this and do it one hour a week <laughs> on sundays Again, nothing wrong with this, but this can't be it. This isn't all it is. The church exists to win people to Christ, to help them grow in their faith and in their walk, and then send them out to participate in winning people for Jesus. This building is our home base to be sent out into the community. We've said it many times, we are the church. This building isn't the church. This building gives us a place to gather and to learn and to worship and all of those things, and all of those things are incredibly important. But you individually have a part in the story of God, and you individually 
and collectively have a part in this story, but we minimize it too much. We look at our part and we think, well, I've, I've done my, I've, I've checked my spiritual time card for the week. I came to church once or I watched church online once this week. And so, so I'm good for the week. But if we want to talk about spiritual food, if you only ate one time a week, I know you've heard this analogy probably a hundred times and I have too, but if you only ate one time a week, you'd be starving. And a lot of times this is about the only time we eat spiritually. I would hope that with the other 167 hours during the week that maybe you can say, well, there, you know, every day I carve out at least an hour to get together with God in my own personal devotions. I hope that you do that. I hope that you get together with a life group or some, or some people during the week that you can get together with. And so you've got maybe some more hours wrapped up in there. Maybe there's some serving and things like that going on. I hope that all those things are true, but quite frankly, statistically speaking, they're probably not. I hope that they are, but they're probably not. They are for some of us. And we've all, we're all in different stages of life. I get it. We've all got different things going on and depending on family and all of that stuff. But at the end of the day, we've all got 167 hours outside of the Sunday service and what are we doing with it? Don't minimize your part in the story of God. You have significance in the story. So don't minimize it. If you're here, meaning here and here, on earth, you have significance in the story of God. You are who God wants to use, and you have significance, or you wouldn't be here. So don't insult God by thinking that you're insignificant. Don't do it. He would not have sent his son to die for insignificance. Would you? God would not have sent his son to die for insignificance. He did it for his masterpiece, for you, for me, humanity. He did it to give you life, and he did it to give you purpose. And so the last thing Jesus says, after he tells them, I'm sending you, as God has sent me, I'm sending you, and then he gives them the great commission, and he says, go and preach to all nations. And I'm with you. And then the last thing he says before he ascends, before he takes off, he says this in Acts 1.8. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And he gives them this charge that you will be my witnesses and that's why we put this verse on the Mission Akron t-shirts. We have since the first one and we will continue to because this is the driving force. This is the vision. This is the mission. Because you and I have been deployed. And I think in the time, in the day and age, in the season that we live in, we need to look at our job as followers of Jesus a lot more like this. That we have been deployed because the church is the chosen vehicle to bring the hope of Jesus to this world. And you and I have been deployed. And too many times we minimize our significance in that story. And that's why a week like Mission Akron is so important and so huge. And just an incredible thing because it's taking advantage of the other 167 hours. That's what's going to happen this week. The other 167 hours are going to be taken advantage of. 
for the gospel. And notice that when Jesus says this here, he says that you will be my witnesses. This, this, this wasn't a recommendation. This was just a statement of fact. And don't forget that you've been given the Holy Spirit. Don't forget that. Don't forget the power that you have there. You will be my witnesses, he said. You have been deployed. Through the power of the Holy Spirit within you, within us, through, through, through the church, God rebuilds, restores, and revitalizes this world. And that's the theme for the week of Mission Akron, by the way. And you and I, we have been unleashed to make a difference for the kingdom. Take a look at this video. The sun rose and work began. Word of a better day spread throughout the people. A day free from bondage. This hope carried them through their labor. They knew their God was faithful, that he had a plan, one to set them free, to a land promised by God, to his people, for his people, a plan of redemption, but they lost focus. Turned away from the God who was faithful, worshiped false idols, turned back to the very culture God was rescuing them from, turned back to their past, to bondage. So they wandered and wandered. They began to grumble and curse the God who rescued them. They would never set foot in the land they were promised. They would never be unleashed. But God's plan perseveres despite the disobedience of his people. He waited for a new generation to rise up from the dust, one that would step out from their wandering and into the purpose for which God was calling them, to be a nation set apart that would bring glory to him. He continues to call those courageous followers out of the desert, away from our wanderings, to be God's representatives here on earth, to be unleashed from the bondage of our past, unleashed from being brainwashed by culture, unleashed with the backbone to lead the church, unleashed with the boldness to serve the world, unleashed for the gospel. He calls his people to be unleashed. to us realizing our potential is trusting God and taking the next step of faith and obedience and realizing that we have been unleashed by the power of the gospel. And that's why the connection point for the day is that. It's that you have been unleashed. I'm so excited about this week of Mission Akron and we're going to talk about that here in a minute because we as a church have been unleashed. And, and this year, the church, Connect Church, has, is being a part of this in a, in a collective way that, that it really hasn't been. Every year, the rest of the church has kind of come on a little bit more and a little bit more. And this year, that's happening again, and it's exciting. But the thing is, you have been set free by the power of the Holy Spirit to take the gospel to a world that needs it more than ever. And that needs to be our focus. Whether you're able to be on Mission Akron or not, you are still unleashed. All of us as a church 
collective church are unleashed because as, as I've said for years, it's always Mission Akron, quite frankly. It's always our mission. Our mission as Connect Church is to connect people to Christ, community, and purpose. And it always will be. And we've been unleashed. Jesus unleashed us. And he gave us the power. He gave us, he gave us the, the tools to do what he's called us to do. And if we focus on being more like Jesus, then we can't help but take the next steps of faith and obedience because we are listening to the Holy Spirit. See, it doesn't matter how long I live. It matters how I live and for who I live. And that's the same for all of us that are followers of Jesus. And God's plan will persevere regardless of our disobedience. His plan is going to continue to go on. And it will go on with or without you. But I don't know about you, I want to participate in it. I want to be a part of it. We are called to be unleashed. And we get a chance, at least specifically this week, to be a part of that. We are to love and invest in others. We are to serve and ultimately we are to make disciples who make disciples. And that call is for all of us for the rest of the time that Jesus has you on this earth. Would you bow with me for prayer? Jesus came to give us life, to give us purpose. And maybe you'd never heard it put that way before. But he didn't just save us to sit and soak. He saved us so that we can have life to the fullest. And if you don't know for sure that you have a relationship with him, whether you're here in person or you're watching online, God loves you so much. And he wants to use you to reach the world around us. Mike talked it earlier when he, when he was reading that verse in Romans and in the, in the song that the band was singing, was talking about the good news. We've been unleashed to take that good news to the world and maybe you haven't heard the good news of Jesus put this way before. Because we are to take that good news to the world around us. Because God loves you so much. He wants to have a relationship with you and it's our sin that separates us from him. And we can't remove that sin by doing good things. Even, even, even with our priorities and, and, and our behaviors and our actions and our thoughts, those things don't remove the sin in our life. Those are things that we should be striving for. And Jesus paid the price for you and for me so that we could have eternal life. By, and, and that's for everyone. And life with Jesus, that eternal life can start now and it lasts forever. And so if you want to know more about that, if you want to pray about that, if you want to know for 100% sure that you're going to be with Jesus for eternity, I would love to talk to you today to pray with you. You can even go on our website at connectchurch.xyz slash next and find out more information about that. Reach out to us. Let us know if you've, if you've made that decision to trust Christ today. For the rest of us, that is what we have been unleashed to share with the world. To love and to serve and to use the other 167 hours outside of this service to get the ball down the field for the mission that Jesus has given us. Father, we love you. We thank you, God, for your love for us. And I thank you for the charge that you have given us to be a part of your mission. God, 
you sent your son down for us to give us an example. And then, Lord, you looked at us and said, now it's your turn. Father, I, I want to take that seriously. And I pray that everyone here listening, watching, does as well. Lord, help us to be more like you so that we can do what you've called us to do. Lord, if there's one that doesn't know you as Savior, God, I pray that today might be the day that your Holy Spirit would speak to them, that they would trust you today. We love you in Jesus' name.